Welcome to the Seller Roundtable e-commerce coaching and business strategies with Andy Arnott and Amy Wees. Uh, we got another question about, uh, do you uh, happen to handle any anything to Australia? We have a, a lot of uh, uh, people from Australia in our audience. Thank we you, actually, guys. <laughs> yeah, we actually do a lot to and from Australia. Okay. Um, one other thing that I want to add to the express shipments. Uh, one of the things that we do uh, intentionally is we, we do look to protect your bottom line and push you in a direction that makes the most sense uh, on a fiscal level. And if the shipments are, you know, below 45 kilos, we typically say go through an express, do, uh, you know, uh, uh, if you use, for example, FedEx, ask your supplier to do broker select. You can use us to clear it through customs. Otherwise, FedEx will clear it through customs. And you don't want to hand out a bunch of powers of attorney because anytime you have a customs broker, they work on a limited power of attorney. It doesn't give us the right to get into your bank account. It just gives us the right to represent you uh, to U.S. Customs. So um, there are instances where it makes sense to do express shipping and not a freight forwarder. There, are, there is a difference there. Okay, interesting. So uh, we actually do uh, a lot of, of air shipment for our business. Um, generally, like, do you shop rates like every time? So in other words, like no matter what the shipment is, are you going out and looking at, you know, uh, UPS, uh, Red, Special Line, Fat, you know, like DHL, are you, are you going the gambit to find the best deal each time? Or do you, uh, you know, how do you, how do you handle that? Well, I would say on the express shipments, that's not usually a focus for freight forwarders. We all, we all do it. But what we tell you to do is have your supplier book it on your own account, right? That saves you money. You're the direct customer with the uh, small package provider, you know, DHL, FedEx, UPS, and, uh, and you're going to get the most bang for your buck. But again, that is when there's a weight break, say 45 kilos or less. That's when it benefits you. You get up above that, you want to start talking to a freight forwarder because they can go to all the airlines and then get you know the best rate, and that's what we do when it comes to our you know typical shipments that freight forwarders and VOCCs uh, handle. We go directly to the carriers, and we we get rates on a on a per shipment basis. Perfect, awesome. Um, what's uh, uh, let's see? We already went over what products uh, we can we can check them online at. Uh, Amy posted the link, thankfully, the htsusitc.gov. Um, we'll try to put those in the show notes as well. Um, how are tariffs calculated and uh, when are they calculated during the shipping process? We kind of went sure. over that a little bit, but. Sure, I'll summarize it. The, the duty rate and taxes are based on the value of the goods determined by the price paid or payable, meaning what you paid the supplier for. So if you bought a, you know, $2,500 worth of goods, it's based on $2,500. It's not based on what your resale value is. That those, those uh, duties and taxes, uh, the law behind it is once your goods arrive and we make entry and get a clearance, from that clearance date, you have 10 business days to get it paid to U.S. Customs. We pay that on behalf of our importers. So we send one invoice that's inclusive of all fees related to that shipment, international shipping, warehouse fees, trucking, customs, bonds, all of that. We give you one invoice, you pay us, and we deliver. Cool. Um, how, uh, 
how are our, our, our uh, Amazon sellers or just anybody importing products into the U.S., how are we uh, billed for the, those in increased tariffs? Uh, it's, a, it's just as I stated. It's, yeah. a, it's the same mechanics whether it's going to an FBA or not. Gotcha. What we would do is give you a final invoice prior to delivery. And uh, I assume that you guys handle like a lot of times when you when you're shipping FBA, there's multiple fulfillment centers. So you're you're handling the logistics of, uh, you know, forwarding it from the the sea shipments off to the various fulfillment centers from the ports. Correct. Yes, when the importer knows which FBA. Otherwise, what we we do for some of our importers is we bring them here to either our uh, uh, Seattle facility or our Portland facility, and then we we ship them out uh, because we get better storage rates than, than Amazon would. Gotcha. So can you uh, go over just quickly, like, uh, well, you know, uh, Amy's called you. She says, I want my, um, my, my uh, bamboo, um, you know, uh, fire sticks, uh, you know, <laughs> they're, they're, she wants them shipped to her three FBA fulfillment centers. Kind of take us from, uh, you know, the point of contact. So in other words, like once you guys pick up the goods, like each step along the way, cause I know there's a lot of people are really, really confused on that process. So that would be really cool if you could just kind of go over that, that process and, and kind of, you know, just quickly summarize each step of the way. Yeah. I'll, I'll try to make this as succinct as possible. <laughs> what, what we typically do is we ask our, uh, our importers, our clients, like Amy said earlier, send us an email, put your supplier and copy, say, Hey, Brownstone, we have uh, supplier ABC and copy and we got a shipment ready to go. We bounce off of that with, hey, thank you, Amy, hi, supplier, ABC, and then we copy in our team at Origin, whatever that country is, and we say, team, one, two, three, please reach out and arrange either LCL booking, FCL booking, which is a full container load, that's a 20-foot or 40-foot container full of your goods, or air freight to destination Portland, Oregon, LA, Dallas, Texas, San Antonio, New York, and then simply say thanks all. And what we, on, on the backside, we know immediately our team at Origin is reaching out to the supplier, arranging recovery, uh, arranging the booking, and the booking is, you know, with the airline or the, the ocean carrier. And then uh, once we have recovery of the goods, the next step is the importer security file. Uh, it's very important that this is filed. It's uh, it's sort of a pre-entry for U.S. Customs. It allows them to, it's given them a heads up going, hey, we got this shipment, it's coming. Uh, here's the supplier, here's the importer, here's the port it's going to, here's the bill of lading, the airway bill, and that has to be filed. Uh, we say no later than 48 hours prior to the export date. Uh, you can go 20, 24, but we put, we pad it a little bit. We file that on your behalf because we have your POA. If this is not filed, you are opened up to two fines of $5,000 each. And, uh, it's, uh, it's a serious deal. So we take it very serious. Uh, we have a high level of compliance. We get that filed. Once we get that filed, we give you an update saying, Hey, here's, here's your sailing schedule. It's leaving on this date, should be the first U.S. port on this date. Uh, we just filed the ISF. Everything's going to go quiet for a couple weeks while it's on the water, right? And then if we're doing the job that we should be doing, we then give you another heads up once it arrives. Hey, it's in Tacoma. It's coming to Portland, for example. It's in Tacoma. It's going to get down to Portland in four or five days by rail. That's if it's a container or if it's a, a pallet, it goes to a – what happens is if you're shipping one pallet, 
to we'll we'll just say Portland, Oregon, right? And we we just went through this scenario I laid out. That one pallet's in a say a 20-foot container with five other shipments, unrelated importers. That container gets to Tacoma. A truck goes in and picks that container up, takes it to a bonded warehouse and empties it. It's called devanning. From there, your pallet, if it's coming to Portland, will get on another truck and come down to Portland, right? It's an amazing amount of time it takes for something like that to happen because of congestion. So that container comes into Tacoma, you have five free days before the uh, carrier starts charging you about $200 a day demurrage. So what happens is these CFS, these bonded facilities who are sending the trucks in, they wait till that fifth day because they're so far behind. They pull it. So your goods have been sitting on the dock for five days. It doesn't take but three hours to get from here to Seattle, but it takes about eight days for your pallet to get down here. And that's because it's lumped in with all the congestion of all the other shipments coming into the US. Once it gets to that, D, that D-Van location, the CFS, they get it on another truck, comes to Portland. Once it gets to Portland, we custom clear it and they get it invoiced and delivered to you. And so what we should be doing is, hey, it's in Tacoma, probably gonna be down here five to eight days because it's a crapshoot, you just don't know. Part of this industry that makes it very difficult is you have so many hands along the way from the very beginning when it gets picked up from an unrelated trucker at origin to an unrelated warehouse where it gets loaded into a container. If we're talking about loose container loads, LCL freight, which is like LTL domestic freight, right? A pallet or two or five or whatever. Then it gets on a, a vessel, then it gets to the, the terminal, it gets, you know, it get discharges the vessel, it sits there, another truck goes in and picks it up, goes to another warehouse, that warehouse is loading it onto another truck to the final destination. And then once it's released, another truck goes in and picks it up for final delivery. So really what you're dealing with, with customs brokers and freight forwarders are just facilitators. We are the middlemen and we manage and operate it. And what, that's one of the reasons we got into trucks is because it, and warehouses, is it gives us more leverage, more control with the goods. And uh, otherwise you're really, your hands are tied and you're just, you're, you're hoping that, you know, the goods will move as quickly as possible, but you really don't have much control over that ultimately. Yeah, that's a good point. So um, I'm just curious. So like when you, I know that like, a, like I've heard horror stories about, you know, you were saying how like if you're, if you got one pallet and you're in a 20 foot container with, uh, you know, other shippers products and it gets flagged or something, your products now stuck um, in with those other products until they clear it and things like that. Um, do you guys uh, uh, lump your shipments together? In other words, uh, you know, does your company um, try to combine shipments just to, to, to uh, make sure that you're not lumped in with other people uh, that, that might uh, throw a, a wrench in the, in, the, in the gears? Yeah, as a forwarder, you're always trying to consolidate your own container, but it really depends on, uh, you know, the, the volumes at origin that are being shipped at the same time. Sure. So uh, most forwarders are, are, uh, are lumped in with other forwarders and containers coming on the palletized, you know, the LCL size shipments. And in those situations, if, if a container is flagged for an exam because of one shipment in there that's unrelated, you just have to go along for the ride. Great. Um, are there any kind of overall tips or any like tricks or you know anything that people aren't thinking about on how they can you know decrease their their fees with their products coming into the US 
uh, specifically from China? Well, I think the first thing you have to do is start at the beginning and make sure that you have all of your landed cost in front of you and you know what you're looking at. And from there, it really, it is, it's so specialized dependent upon the commodity and what you're trying to do as a, a small business person or an importer or whatever, that it's, it's kind of a case by case basis. But, uh, you know, one of the ways I will tell you this, that if you're a small importer and you're looking to be a consistent importer, what you want to do is get to the place where you're building your own 40 foot containers with your own product. Because what happens then, we'll, we'll say a, a 40 foot container holds 20 pallets of non-stackable freight, right? Well, what if you're importing one pallet at a time? That's 20 shipments. That means 20 customs clearances, 20 trucking deliveries, 20 warehouse fees, 20 freight forwarding fees, right? Versus one 40 foot container where your, your ocean freight is bought and sold by the cubic meter most generally. So by the area it takes up in a container, right? When you buy a 40, the cost of that cubic foot or cubic meter shrinks, 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 shrinks. When you're paying for one cubic meter, the cost is higher. And an average cost of a cubic meter from China to the U.S. is about 115, 125 bucks a cube, right? And when you're doing your own 40-foot container, it shrinks down to about 80 bucks a cube. So what you want to do is look for how am I going to do? You know that that's one of the 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 snags on the $800 value shipments. You're going to end up paying a ton of money in freight. You're doing and customs clearances and whatever else that's involved. That's why really what you want to do, if you want to be a smart business person in this industry, aim at getting a 20-foot container or a 40-foot container. 20-foot container generally costs about 70% of a 40-foot container, right? So do the math. If you got a 40, you just save some money. So it's almost better to fill, fill a, a 40 three-quarters full um, in, in terms of, uh, uh, of uh, volume, right? Yeah, I mean, if you're over a 20... Yes, you know, you, it, it doesn't make sense to split it and do, you know, partial LCL, partial 20, you just get a 40, you know, if, uh, it, again, it, it determines, it's determined by what the point of origin is, what the point of destination is, so, you know, those containers generally from, uh, we'll say, China to the U.S. West Coast, you know, 2100 bucks for a 20 right now, 23, 2400 bucks for a 40. Um, but you know, you, you ship to the same U S West coast from, from Europe and, and you're 35, 4,000 bucks, depending upon where you're coming from. So it, it's, it, it matters. The, the details matter. So it's kind of hard to generalize. Sure. Uh, kind of another quick question too. I, I know it's going to be a ballpark because it, there's so many different variations, but, um, ballpark it for me on like, uh, you know, when, when you guys are handling these shipments, um, from the point of, uh, you know, claiming the goods at the manufacturer to actually handing them off to an Amazon fulfillment center, what kind of uh, time frame are you looking at total from, from one point to the other? Yeah, transit time. Yeah. Uh, so there's, there's, that's broken into pieces, right? Because a lot of times when you get transit time, what you're getting from the carriers, from the port of export, the day it sails, to the date that they estimate it'll arrive. And you'll, under, you'll, you'll see that it's always estimated time of depart, departure, estimated time of arrival. Remember that it's estimated. 
You can never hold the carrier to that. Uh, you can never hold the forwarder to that. And they should be also educating you that, hey, this is ballpark. And we, we generally try to pad that, right? So from the US, uh, from mainland China to the US West Coast, Portland, we'll say, I always, I always pad it from the date it sails 30 days. From the time that it actually is picked up and put on a vessel, it's usually within five days because there's cutoffs. You've got to get the freight picked up and tendered to the carrier three or four days before it sails, right? And so it's generally, they're working on seven day rotations, the vessels. So I would say from, you know, China to our door, you know, China, China supplier to, the, to your door here in Portland, you know, 30 days. Uh, Seattle, Tacoma, I would cut that down to about 20, 22 days because of all the variances I told you earlier. You know, LA, same kind of thing. You know, it's 14 days on the water, right? But again, you're dealing with congestion at the port and how reliable your truck drive, you know, your, your broker is to get the entry cleared, to get a truck under it, to get it out of the terminal. So again, it, it depends on where you're shipping to, but um, you know, I, I say 30 days is always a good estimate. You know, especially when you're turning around and you're trying to tell a client, hey, I've got to come and it'll be here then. Always pad that. Protect yourself. You know, uh, uh, under, what is it? Under, under promise or whatever and over deliver. Right. Yep. I, I butchered that, but the point is, is, is protect yourself and, and the anxiety of your, your client by just saying, hey, it's going to be this many days and then come in under it. Right. Cool. Um, where do you see, um, have you seen an uptick in uh, imports from other countries? I assume so because of these tariffs. And if so, what, what are the countries that you see the most uh, from your clients, like the most uh, alternative sources? I'm assuming it's probably like Pakistan, India, Taiwan, thing, places like that. Uh, Vietnam. Vietnam. Okay. India and Taiwan. Okay. Yeah. I would say uh, as alternatives to uh, China, uh, one of the things to keep in mind if you're going to Vietnam is uh, what's called trans-shipping, where they take Chinese products, they drive it across the border to, to, to Vietnam and say it's a Vietnam product. Customs is looking for that, Department of Commerce is looking for that. So make sure it's an actual Vietnamese manufacturer and you're not gonna get yourself in any kind of hot water because they lied to you. How would you go about, uh, would you have to do inspections or how would you go about uh, you know, ensuring that it's not coming across from China? Yeah, I mean, it again, uh, how important is the shipment to you? You know, what are your volumes? You know, that kind of dictates what level you're going to go and, and, and uh, confirm. But, you know, uh, it's not uncommon for uh, importers to go visit uh, factories and meet the people, you know, especially if you're dealing uh, on a consistent basis. In the beginning, it doesn't make a lot of sense, you know, yep. but, uh, you know, uh, sometimes you can send, we, we have uh, sent our, uh, partners at Origin into uh, manufacturers for quality control, you know, to make sure that, hey, the labels are in the right place, the boxes look good, the commodity looks good. You know, I mean, those are all for fees, but it's, it's uh, one way to ensure that, you know, you're, you're doing what you can to make sure you're getting what you want. Right. Fantastic. Okay. Um, I know this is kind of a, a guess, but um, it's going to be a complete guess on your end. But uh, how long do you think these imports are going to last for? <laughs> yeah, it is a, uh, yeah, it's, it's all conjecture, hearsay and opinion at this point. Right. The sky is falling for some people and for others. We, you know, when you look at the actual dollar amounts that have 
uh, been increased on these taxes when you look at the overall uh, GDP, it's, it's really minuscule. And really the whole point of this is, is just to get uh, some fair trade between the U.S. and, and China. And having uh, been in this industry for 30 years, I, I, uh, I am a proponent for this. I don't, I don't like, uh, you know, the chaos it creates. I don't like the, um, you know, the slowdown that it's, it's created. Uh, but I, I believe it is a necess, uh, necessary evil, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, because China in the last 20 years has uh, eaten our lunch. And I've seen it firsthand on uh, costs from where it was 20 years ago to where it is now, uh, specifically at origin. And, um, but I, I, it's, it's really, uh, no one knows, you know, I mean, you, you, you've, you've got China now digging their heels in and then you've also got people saying that it's, it's, uh, you know, it's all, uh, posturing. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I, I think that, you know, a lot of people have different opinions on this. Um, I agree with you in the sense that, um, I kind of feel like this is a, a deal with it now or deal with it later kind of thing. And and for, I know for my business, it's going to affect me. It is affecting me directly. And I know for most of our audience, it's going to affect them directly. Um, but uh, for me, the way that I see it is, you know, we either deal with it now or our kids deal with it, you know, 30, 20, 30 years down the road, um, you know, when, when all of our technology has been, been hijacked and things like that. So um, I, <clears throat> I sort of agree with you in, in that sense. Um, but I also definitely see when, when people have a, uh, you know, a different opinion on that. I think that it's, it's very hard to, uh, for people to, to swallow that, uh, you know, the, those price increases, especially small businesses and things like that. So, um, I, I definitely see both ends, but, um, I sort of agree with you, Michael, in the, in the sense that, uh, I definitely think that, um, right now, you know, it's something that's, that, that I think we have to unfortunately deal with. Yeah. I think uh, I think that uh, it's all about how you're hardwired and how how you see it, but I I think that as to the future, and I have small children as well, so something has to be done in it, and I don't look at it as a political issue at all. Uh, I agree, a hundred percent. I've said that same thing in, in my discussions as well. It's enough to me. It's nothing to do with politics. It's just a matter of um, you know. Uh, to take some discomfort now or take it, you know, take it later. I think either way it's, it's going to have to happen, but I think we're going to be better off if we take it now rather than later. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Amy. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. I think it's great. I think all <laughs> the information is great. And I don't know. I mean, I definitely think there's a lot of unknowns. I can tell that I'm going to be paying more. <laughs> for a little while right but am i ready to you have to take in my mind you have to take everything into consideration you have to take the relationships that you've built with those suppliers you have to take the cost that of completely finding new countries to import from right new i mean and if you can find new countries to import from and you know and in that time, you have to ask yourself, okay, if I find all new places for my products and all of that, is it going, is all of this going to change and things, you know, going to work themselves out? And now I'm ready to go back to China and I've, I'm now in, in new countries, you know? So it's, I think that you have to take a holistic approach. Like you, you can't just assume like, okay, I'm just going to move everything out or I'm going to take these shortcuts, right? You have to take everything into consideration. And I think 
some products, there's nothing wrong with looking into other places to import them, right? There, there isn't, there's, there's nothing wrong with finding products in India or products in Vietnam or, or whatever. There's nothing wrong with that. It's all about, to me, it's all about long-term business relationships with your suppliers. I like to, to create unique products. So for me, those supplier relationships are really important. And if that means that I am paying more in imports, you know, it's definitely going to, I think it's going to work itself out um, ultimately because it doesn't just affect uh, China, it affects us as well. So uh, I think it's really great to talk about these things. And I, I am so grateful, Michael, that, you know, I have you in my Rolodex as this wonderful um, wealth of knowledge and you've been able to really help me navigate this and hopefully help our listeners navigate this a little bit as well. And we just thank you so much for answering all of our tough questions, especially the questions like, how can you avoid this? Yeah. Yeah, I thought you just like handled those with class. So that was just really awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you for inviting me. I appreciate, yeah. uh, appreciate the relationship we've built, Amy. Yeah. Me as well. Hey, yeah, Michael, it was really, really great to meet you. And, and thanks so much for fielding all those, uh, all those, those tw tough questions. I really, really appreciate that. Um, how can, uh, you kind of mentioned it, but how can people find you? Um, you know, I think you said email is the best way to go, um, which I totally get because that, that's my prefer preferred way of contact as well because it's so much more efficient. But uh, yeah, let people know how they, how, how they can get a hold of you and maybe what they should provide you on the first email to save everybody more time. Yeah, sure. You, you can go to our website, Brownstone International. Uh, there's a, an info uh, link that you can reach out. It'll, it'll get uh, not only myself, I, I keep myself copied in, uh, um, I think sometimes to uh, my em employees' chagrin on most everything, but I think that's uh, important to do so to keep a finger in, in uh, all the operations and understand what's going on. But you can find that info email and send us, uh, basically what you want to do is tell us what the commodity is, tell us where it's shipping from, get the address of your supplier, or at least the city and postal code, give us dimensions, you know, is it, is it one pallet 48 by 48 or 40 by 48 by, you know, 50, uh, if it's, you know, two boxes and, and they're 12 inches by 12 inches, you know, give the dimensions, give the weight, uh, and then give us the, uh, the destination where you want it shipped to and then tell us the mode you want it by mode of transport or you want it by sea by air and um, and typically off of that we can get you within 24 hours a full quote uh, to your door um, and if there's anything else that we need if there's something special because it's a special commodity uh, we'll ask you at that time but we are uh, we, we try to pride ourselves in bouncing off that initial email uh, you know within uh, you know, two to four hours, you know, on a business in the business day, you know, if it comes in after hours, obviously it'll be the next morning, but, um, but yeah, that's, that's just it. And then once we get you a quote, what we always say is, okay, if, if the quote makes sense and you're going, Hey, I'm ready to do this. You just send an email to your supplier, put us in copy, make an introduction. And then we get our team at, at uh, origin in in, uh, in line and we get it going. Awesome. Thanks again, Michael. Really, really appreciate it. And um, yeah, well, we, uh, we hopefully we'll get you on here again, because I'm sure this is going to be a, a topic that's going to continue. So uh, thanks again. And uh, thanks, everybody, for joining us, especially everybody who's been here live. We really, really appreciate it. 
and once again, uh, we are on all the major podcast platforms. If you can, uh, if you guys can give us a, a review and, uh, and uh, write a comment, we'd really, really appreciate it. Uh, thanks so much guys uh, for joining us and we will see you next week. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for tuning in. Join us every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for live Q&A and bonus content after the recording at sellerroundtable.com. Sponsored by the ultimate software tool for Amazon sales and growth, sellerseo.com and amazingathome.com.